Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you, dear Lord, so much for this day. God, I thank you for the ones that have came to this altar, dear Lord, today and have knelt down before you and have bended their hearts, God, and I pray, God, that you would have heard their cries. God, I know that you have heard them as you have called us unto you. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would meet them. And God, I pray, God, the ones that are here, dear Lord, the ones that are home, God, if they need your joy today, dear Lord, I pray, God, that they would seek it. And God, that you would provide it. God, if they need your peace, dear Lord, I pray, God, that you would give it. God, I pray, dear Lord, if they need your healing touch and your rest, oh, dear Heavenly Father, you are the one that will provide. God, today we call out to you and we ask for your love and for your mercy to be poured out upon us, dear Lord, as we call to you. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. God, today we pray this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, that came to this earth and died on the cross and rose again for us. God, we pray in that name. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, I want to start off this morning, and I'm going to complain about the first group. Because last week, they, they didn't catch something, so I did it in the second service. And after the second service, whenever I was watching it, I caught it. So there's two things that I need to correct. The first thing that I need to correct is, is that our Lord and Savior, the lineage of Jesus Christ, didn't come from Reuben. Obviously, last Sunday, I was hungry for a Reuben sandwich from Arby's. Because I know that uh, you know, our Lord and Savior's lineage came from, the, you know, from Judah. So I want to correct that, okay? It was Judah and Tamar that was in Genesis chapter 38 that I had talked about last week. But also, I, I want to make sure, and I want this to be really clear, okay? David did not kill Bathsheba's wife. David killed Bathsheba's husband. So now that we have that straight... Okay, now that we have that straight, let's go in and let's look at, uh, you know, this morning's message in the scripture. And last week I gave you and I talked to you about two lenses, right? So we had the lenses of God's word, which is here. And then we had the lenses of the world, which were these. Now I'm going to reverse these for you today, okay? Because whenever we look through the lenses of the world... Those are the ones that will be close up because the worldly view is only our view that we have in this moment, in this time. We might be able to see and to think maybe two, three weeks out, maybe a month. We say that we will plan for the year, but we have no clue on what's going to happen that far out. So these will be the close lenses. That's going to be the worldly view. And if we put the lenses on of God, because he is directing our life and directing our path, we're able to see further out into what God truly has for us. Although there are points in times in our life that we feel like we're listening to our GPS, right? 
uh, you, know, I, you know, Peggy and I have a new truck, and whenever you plug in your phone, it goes ahead and it automatically hooks up to CarPlay, and the app shows up. Uh, not, that's not on your phone, but it shows up on this screen that's in the truck. Uh, you know, it's really cool. It's 3D, so the road kind of lays flat, and then you get to see the buildings and stuff pop up as you're passing them. It's really cool, uh, but what it does, it still annoys you just like any other GPS. Turn left in half a mile. Turn left in 800 feet. Turn left at the next light. Turn left now. Sometimes God does that for us. And God will tell us, turn left in half a mile, turn left in 800 feet, turn left at the next light. And then whenever we're there, he's like, no, 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 turn now, turn now. But then there's times whenever you get onto the interstate and you're headed towards Columbia and you're going to the district office and you plug in that address and you get on the interstate and it says you will turn in 63 miles And it won't say another thing to you for at least 53 miles. There's times, remember we talked about it. I talked about it in in the midweek Bible study. In Matthew chapter uh, 14, Jesus sent the disciples across the sea, right? Uh, And this is whenever Jesus walked on the water. In Matthew, he just simply told them, he said, Disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. Didn't tell them where to go on the other side of the lake. Didn't tell them what to do once they got there. He just simply said, go to the other side of the lake. So there's times in our lives that whenever we're looking through God's lenses, that he gives us the direction and he says, I want you to turn in 500 feet. Or there's times that he gives us the direction and he says, I want you to turn in 63 miles. But we have to listen to God and we have to remain in God's lenses so that we don't turn right whenever he wants us to turn left and we don't turn at 50 miles instead of 63 miles. We have to have God's lenses on. Now there's a reason for us to have God's lenses on. Whenever we look into Scripture and whenever we go back and if we look back to last week's passage of Scripture, which was Genesis chapter 45, verse 5, and for some reason I didn't keep it this time, so let's see how fast I can get it. There we go. That was quick. Genesis chapter 5, or chapter 45, verse 5. I'm going to start reading for you this morning in verse 4 because there are some things in verse 4 that I need for us to grab a hold to. It says, please come closer. So this is Joseph, and he's telling his brothers, come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and again he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery into Egypt. But do not be upset, and do not be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve life. So whenever we get this, we go back to last week. Because in the beginning of Joseph's life, in the beginning of chapter 37, we find that there's three things that creates a havoc in Joseph's life. One of those things was his father Jacob giving him this special coat coat of many colors, 
And he told Joseph's brothers that he loved Joseph more than he did his brothers. But then we also find in here that Joseph goes out and he's, in the, he's helping his brothers with the flock out in the field. And then he goes home and he tells his father the bad things that his brother's doing. So he became a snitch. I was watching a show last night, uh, you know, and somebody made the comment, uh, you know, in, in prison, snitches get stitches. And they said, no, in prison, snitches don't get stitches because stitches are for live people. I was like, whoa. But anyway, Joseph became a snitch and his brothers got mad at him. But then on top of that, Joseph really rubbed stuff in, right? It's like he, the, his brothers have this gashing wound because he had went and told on them. But then he's going to come to him and he's saying, I got this dream. Not only did he get one dream, but he got two dreams that said that he was going to stand over his brothers and they were going to bow down before him because he was ruler over them. Man, that really caused conflict. So his brothers sold him off into slavery. But in 45 verse 5, Joseph forgives his brothers. I want you to see this. In verse, 40, in verse 5, Joseph calls his brothers to come closer to him. And then he says, what you meant for bad, God meant for good. So that I would be able to be here to preserve life. Whew. If it wasn't for the struggles that Joseph went through and being thrown into the pit and being sold to the merchants and then being in Potiphar's house and then being in prison and then being second in command of Pharaoh and God's hand being with him and providing for him all the way through. Joseph would not have been able to forgive his brothers and create unity within the family. We will not be able to live in harmony or in unity with our brothers and sisters if we are not looking through the right lenses. Cool, wait a minute. The right lenses. Now, I didn't put these glasses on in the first service, so I'm going to do this for y'all. Got my nice pink leopard print glasses. I can absolutely see nothing. There's times that we wear these glasses. Now, do you know what these glasses are? These are vanity glasses. These are glasses, whenever we put them on, that we feel better than everybody else. See, I went to Fossil, and I, and I got me this nice watch. It's brown. It's got brown band on it. Beautiful watch. But it's to match my brown shoes. That's vanity. I look good today. I'm going to put my pink leopard print glasses on. Woo! We do this. 
We do this. We do it. We look at fellow Christians that are struggling through things and we're like, oh man, I don't do that. I don't struggle with that. What do you mean you have that issue? Vanity. We're looking through the wrong set of lenses. Now the problem with it is, is that we can have God's glasses on and we can be looking through God and we can be looking at Him and then all of a sudden somebody comes walking up to us that looks a little scruffy. I don't know if y'all notice this or not, but I'm clean shaven today. I don't have a beard. I left my mustache because it would just simply be weird without it. But if I was looking through God's glasses and then somebody came up next to me that was looking just a little bit rough. And also had on these vanity fair glasses, I still wouldn't be able to see them for who they truly are. Because God has created them. But I'm looking through the vanity lenses that has everything really fuzzy. And if I don't take these off, I'm going to fall down. See, we have these different lenses that we look through. But this morning, there is a passage of Scripture. Remember, I told you I wanted to go to verse 4, because there was something in verse 4 that I needed to bring out that we need to really to look at and to see. And the thing that it is, is that Joseph called them to come closer. Joseph told his brothers, he said, come closer. Now, Joseph called his brothers to come closer for two reasons. Number one, so that they could see him because he had been away from them for so long. Plus, he was also dressed up in his Egyptian attire. But he wanted them to come closer to see him so that they could see his eyes and recognize who he really was. But he also just came to me. There's things that he needed to tell them that no one else in that room needed to hear at that point in time. This morning, God called y'all. You that's out there on the internet that's watching this, God is calling you to come closer to him because he has a word for you today. He has a message that is just for you. So you might be wearing these vanity glasses. That the people around you are all just a little bit less than you. Our main passage of scripture is actually coming from... Matthew chapter 15. So I've set the stage for you there. Joseph is calling them to come closer because he has a message for them. Today, God's calling you to come closer because he has a message for you. But now let's look at this because in Matthew chapter 15, beginning with the first verse there in Matthew chapter 15... 
It says, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus, and they asked him. Now, wait a minute. We're going to stop there. Because the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, basically the lawyers of the day, and the religious leaders came to see Jesus. But they did not come to see the true Jesus. Because they don't know the true Jesus. In John's gospel, in the 6th chapter and the 8th chapter, Jesus has some harsh words that he says about the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And in those, he, I'm going to paraphrase those for you. So he says to the fact, and he boils it down and he says, If you would know the Father, then you would know me. And if you know me, then you know the Father. And he says, in 8... He goes out and he brings this back out. And then in chapter 8, he also goes in and he says, You don't know the Father because you were following your law. He uses the word your. So I want you to see this because the your law is, is the laws that the Pharisees and they, you know, had created that's other than the laws that God had given to Moses. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the mountain. But then he also gave them other rules that they were supposed to live by that became tradition. So let's continue and let's read on into this. And I need to get my real reading glasses on. So it says in verse 2, Why do your, your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Did you catch those two words? They're the same word. Tradition. It's our age-old tradition that you do it this way. It's our age-old tradition that you wash your hands before you eat. It's our age-old tradition that you worship God in this particular manner. Oh, wait a minute. i got to have another set of glasses. These are my old special glasses because they actually have a light on them. Is the light working? Yeah, the light's working. See, these are my old glasses. These are the glasses that whenever I was studying and stuff at nighttime, I would be able to sit there and read without turning all the lights on in the house. These are the glasses where God showed up at my dining room table as I was studying for ministry. Now, if I put these on, these would be the old traditional glasses that would say that God only shows up at my dining room table at 10, 30, 11 o'clock whenever I have a paper that's due by midnight. Right? That's, 
That's, these, that's tr- the traditional glasses. There's nothing wrong with the traditional glasses. I can put them on and I can still read. There's nothing wrong with them. They still shine light, right? But if we're always looking through traditional glasses, we'll miss what God has for us. We'll miss what he has for us today because we're still looking at him through the traditional glasses. And we're saying that God can't minister to us any other way. I'm going to put these away because that's really a, that's a subject that's, it's kind of touchy, right? So we have this. So let's continue on. So it's tradition that the Pharisees and Sadducees are talking about. In the the history of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they literally made laws that said that if you go in and use the Scripture to refute or to dismantle a tradition that they had put into place, then that person can be put to death. It's kind of backwards, right? Scripture is the truth. All things should be measured by the Scripture and not by tradition. So God being able to speak to us, He speaks to us from the Word of God, not from the tradition of God. And not from the tradition as in how we do things or how we used to do things. There again, they're not bad. But there again, we go back to the passages of Scripture that God says that I have something new for you today. So we still have to look through Him, to Him, through the glasses of the Scripture. So we see this, and then Jesus goes in and gives us this reply. And why do you, your, why do you, by your tradition, Violate the direct commands of God. For instance, God says, honor your fathers and or your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. Whew. That's a law, right? You know, this is the first commandment that has a promise with it. If you read the commandment with the promise, it says that if you honor your mother and father, that you will live and prosper. You'll live long and prosper. Honor your mother and father. And he's saying here that, that you've done away with that because of your tradition. In verse 5, but you say, it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. Because the money that I have set aside to help you, I'm going to give that to God. I kind of paraphrased that for you a little bit there. But we're really close to it. Verse 6, it says, In this way you say they do not need to honor their parents. And so you cancel out God's word. And then he goes on and he says in verse 7, he calls them hypocrites. In verse 8, it says, these people honor. So Isaiah writes this. He says, these people honor me 
with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship as a farce, for they teach men or teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Their hearts dishonor me. Gives me another set of glasses. They're going to look good in these, but that's just simply because they're cool, not me. These glasses change the color of the room. But the thing about it is, is you can't see my eyes. With these glasses on, I have the perception that I'm looking straight ahead, but I'm not. I see Renee and Marcus over here. The problem with this is, is that we walk into church with these glasses on, and we're saying to the world, look at me, I'm coming to church. I'm a good Christian. We go down the street with Christian music blaring on our radio. Look at me. I'm a good Christian. I'm listening to Christian music. Right? We're sitting at a restaurant. And we bow our heads. And we thank God for the food. So that everybody around us. Sees, but they don't see the eyes. They don't see what's really in the heart. Because remember, I look like I'm following God, but I'm over here watching Renee and Marcus. I'm over here watching the world. I look like a Christian. But inside, I am doing everything I can to destroy what God has set forth. I have made up my own law that makes it impossible for me to be able to see God. It makes it impossible for the people around me to be able to see God because I have confused them with all the things and all the regulations that I have placed upon them. Whew, man, that's, man, that's good. That's good. So we called them hypocrites. In verse 10, Here again, we find this, that Jesus calls the crowd to come to him. And then he says, listen. And try to understand. So again, listen. And try to understand what God has given to us through his word. Through the lenses that we are looking through. It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that comes out of your mouth. 
by the words that come out of your mouth. Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The heart is wicked. We go back to the days of Noah. It says that man's thought, every single thought of man in that time was wicked and evil. Because of an impure heart. Jesus says it's not what's on the hands that defiles the heart or the body. It's not the people that we're around, but it's what's in the heart that defiles the body. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Notice that you will follow my decrees and my regulations. The only way that we can know his decrees and his regulations is if we're allowing ourselves to look through his lenses. It says that he will wash us, that he will give us a new heart, that he will give us a new spirit. The only way that we can live a unified life or a life of unity is with the Holy Spirit living within us, within our hearts, so that we are allowing ourselves to look through the lenses of God. And not through the lens of a diseased and a decrepit heart. But a heart that is made afresh and anew by the Holy Spirit. Before I close, I want to put on another pair of lenses for you. Because I think these lenses, most of us will find ourselves. Because whenever you put on these glasses, everything gets dark. These glasses are those glasses that we receive because someone for so long in our lives told us that we were unworthy. Because someone for so long in our lives told us that you can't accomplish that. You can't do that. 
for someone for so long looked at us and said, John, you have dyslexia. There's no way that you will ever amount to anything. There's someone that is here today that looks at this and they say and they look in their lives that the sin that is in my life, I am so unworthy of God and of His love. We have been convinced by the world around us that God doesn't love us. We have been convinced by the words that constantly hit upon us. The struggles that we face that our lives are unworthy. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, says that God lavishes His love upon us. Do you understand that word, lavish? He pours His love upon us. His son died on the cross whenever we were at our worst. God loves everyone. His son died for everyone. His son died on the cross for those that will never receive him as their Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for those that will receive Him as their Lord and Savior. Today, take off these glasses because you are loved. Because you are worthy. Because God created each and every one of you. And I know this is not political or this is not grammatically correct, but God don't make no junk. We are made in His hands or by His hands, and He loves each and every one of us. Whenever we put on these different lenses, these different glasses, and we look at the world or we look at things and other people through them, we gauge them depending on what lens we are looking through. See, if if we're looking through this lens that we don't matter and we don't account to anything, then we're going to treat the people next to us the same way. If we're looking through these lenses here where we're hiding from people to where they really can't see us and see who we are inside, we'll treat them the same way. The words that they are saying, they're not words that they actually love us. Those are just simply words just simply for them to say because they really don't mean it. Because if I said it to you, I really don't mean it. Deceit. If we're looking through the Vanity Fair glasses, no one measures up because we're looking through the wrong lenses. See, there has to be an absolute, and the absolute is God's truth. 
It's God's Word. The measuring stick that we look at and the measuring stick that we use is God's Word. I had a measuring stick. I was a custodian at a high school in uh, Lincoln County for seven years. For seven years, I went out there once a week in the wintertime, and I had this big, long stick that I would stick down into this uh, tank, and I had to measure the fuel oil that was in that tank. Now, if I would have went to the store and bought a stick that was mine and measured the stick, I would be giving them the wrong measurement. If I had my flashlight, if I had my trusty old, uh, you know, last, you know, last model glasses on, and I put those on and shined the light down into the tank and looked at it and said, "Oh, I, I think it's about half full." Wrong measurement. I think about Gilligan's Island. How many of y'all remember the show Gilligan's Island? Go ahead, raise your hand. Man, great show. Man, I love that show. Y'all remember whenever the professor put the measuring stick out into the lagoon to check and see the depths of the water? And they all of a sudden went into this panic because it kept getting lower and lower and lower. You remember Gilligan was out there moving the stick because he was trying to catch larger lobsters. God's Word doesn't move. God's Word doesn't change. The measuring stick that we have is right here. We have to look through the right lenses to get the right measurement to do what God truly has for us to do. 